0: Hey, Warriors. This is Amy. And I'm Sarah. yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. Ooh, ooh. Today, you just have Sarah and I. We are here in the studio Wednesday afternoon <laughs> when this will drop tonight.
1: <laughs> in case you haven't noticed a little bit of a pattern the past couple of episodes, uh, we've yeah. been recording really late. And we- that is because of...
0: Depression. <laughs> uh, we're lucky we even get it out. Mm, because mm-hmm. it's really difficult to do and specifically, uh, the topic. Yeah. And so I think that this particular topic is really hard for both of us. Unfortunately, it hits home. Real close for both of us. And so it is Suicide Awareness Month. Some people will say Suicide Prevention Month, but we can discuss why I like to use the word awareness later. And so we thought it was a good idea to do a couple episodes focused on suicide because it's making us uncomfortable and we live parts of that all the time and big parts of that have happened to us. And so if it makes us uncomfortable, I'm sure, what does it do to the rest of the world? You know what I mean? So, right, right. And it's just like we say with everything, the more you talk about it, the more honest we are and open we are. I think that the more healing that can come um, and getting it out there makes it smaller than what it is in your brain. I agree. Just need to talk about it more. I think that's been the
1: resounding theme with all of the research that I've done is that talking about it has been the um, catalyst for healing for a lot of people
0: yeah and I just spent my past therapy session this week talking about it trying to I felt as though I had like healed from it um, but I found in talking with her, I started going right back to the thing that I think most suicide survivors go to what, no matter how far you on the journey is, oh, if only I'd seen this, if I'd done this different. Okay. So what about this? And you replay the movie in your brain yeah, and that replaying gets you stuck. Uh, and the guilt and all of those things. And, you know, you need someone. I highly suggest seeing someone if you're in that situation because you need someone to say to you, but what if it didn't? You know, what if this like trying to like make you realize that you really don't have control over yeah. other people and their choices? And that's part of it. And then part of it is, is that, you know, sometimes we do and sometimes we can say things and help people so that that's not the end result. Right. So that's what we're going to. That's what we're going to talk about. And, you know, overarchingly, I think both Sarah and I would agree that, you know, systematically is really where the change needs to take place. Yeah. We can't save each other without the system helping us instead of uh, hindering us. 100%. And so at some point, whether it be this episode or another one, Sarah and I are going to talk to you about how the things that are in place to help actually are a hindrance and very difficult to work with. Yes. Whew, I almost went to... I wanted to dive in and start I know. to... I I have to like bite my tongue We're going to just start at the beginning. And um, I think some numbers are important because suicide kills a lot of people. It does. And I don't think... I didn't, I I didn't until I looked at the chart yesterday Mm -hmm. and I was like, what? Yeah. What are you, what? The amount is, is, it's, it's astounding. How do we not talk about this more? Right. When this is how people are dying because it is so
1: stigmatized. If this were. Um, and this is something I watched a, a documentary. This is something that someone on the documentary said. If there were this many people dying from like planes falling out of the sky sure. or something like that, the government would be like, let's fix this. Yeah. But they don't. And there's just, like we said, the system is so messed up and it's just not helpful. And I, I personally believe that it, the system itself could lead
0: to more. Suicides. Sarah, actually I helping. agree with that one thousand percent because I truly—I just got chills. Mm. I truly believe, within my heart of hearts, that the hospitalizations caused and led to the suicides of Scott because they were so brutal. They're awful. I should have said when I pluralized suicides, I meant suicide attempts. Attempts, yeah, yeah. Right. And then his his actual suicide because that's what we offer you as a society to help you. And it's basically hell on earth. Yeah. It's, it's horrific. So let's start with the numbers. Uh, we both have some notes and so we'll be going back and forth. I started at save.org. Okay. And so suicide is the 10th leading cause of death for all ages. So, but when you break it down <laughs> from 10 to 14 years old, it's second. 15 to 24, second. Mm-hmm. 25 to 34, second. Yeah. And then 35 to 44 is fourth. So from 10 to 34, it's the second highest cause of death. Yeah. And that was from NIMH. So I I guess seeing it broken down, 10th is a lot, but when you break it down by ages, yeah. it kind of was a bit more powerful in terms of knowing this is how you'll probably die if you die young. Right. The only other thing was an accident. Yeah. So when I was
1: looking at this and I saw that, um, that uh, stat as well, I was thinking, I'm like, I can't even imagine a child that young taking their own life. And then it all, like all these things came flooding back to me. And I remember after my brother died, telling my mom I didn't want to live anymore. And I was nine years old. So, and I remember her like freaking out that I had said that. And, you know, and I didn't understand why she was freaking out. Cause I'm like, this is just how it is. Like, this is just how I feel. I don't know why you're so upset kind of thing. But then also hearing other people's stories Yeah. Almost everyone said my first attempt was at eight. My first attempt was at 10. My first attempt was at 12. I'm like, wow.
0: Yes. And so the, the attempts, Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're going to talk attempts, I think I had, uh, I had a number for people who are attempting. Did you have that number? It was high. It was high because. Suicide. I think it takes like three to five times before you actually usually complete it. So there is a lot of attempts in in relation to actual completions. And so that so back to I found it. Oh, here
1: we go. In my notes, one point three million suicide attempts every year in the United States alone.
0: I, that's a lot. 1.3 million yeah. a year. So that's not completion, but that's attempts. And that's a lot of people crying for help. Mm-hmm. Um, 130 Americans do die a day by suicide. And then 48,500 Americans died by suicide each year. I thought this was interesting that the numbers, um, had increased. Uh, from 1999 all the way up to 2019 by 33 percent yeah it it is it increases
1: I feel like every year it gets to be more and um, <clears throat> the initial stats that I had found were from 2016 and then I saw current ones and th- you're right like the, the increase is startling
0: it is I'm not quite sure that I can. That I have a reason, or I don't really understand it. Um, I think that uh, I wonder how much social media has has, has played in the part of increasing suicidal ideations and then following through with it. Yeah, I was just going to say that
1: because of the increase in the use of and how the, and the younger that people are using yes. social media. There's, um, there's,
0: I feel like that has a lot to do with it. I don't know that specifically. Yeah, I don't know either. I just, it was a guess on yeah. my part because 1999, I just think of that's probably when social media started to become more prevalent. MySpace. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. I can not remember. I don't know. It feels that was like the a first th- oh, AOL um, messenger. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And those chat rooms, things like that. The ease of conversation. The, the ease of talking to people. I the think. ease of saying shit that you can't back up Yeah, <laughs> when you don't see their face yep. or that you just can't say such mean things maybe to someone's face or I think to exclusion, like, you know, people joke about FOMO, but that whole idea of like, mm-hmm. I'm being left out of all of these things yeah. or, you know people putting stuff up that's just the good stuff and so you think your life is just a sham.
1: Yeah, right, right. Um I had one more stat and it's just breaking it down a little further. It's just so oh, it's breaking my heart. Every 12.3 minutes someone in the U.S. takes their own life. That's according to the CDC.
0: That would make sense because it's 130 a day. a day. So right now as we're recording it's 3.04 p.m. And, and by the time you're done listening to this, that means that, you know, like four people have have died by suicide. Yeah. 90% of the people who die by suicide do have a mental disorder, mm. depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. bipolar disorder. Those were the big, big hitters, I guess, in terms of what I found. Yeah, mm. I, I guess I would...
1: I guess I would... Um, Want to know those, that like 10% that don't have a mental, mental illness of some sort. Are they, do they
0: actually, and they haven't been diagnosed? Yeah. I, I also feel like it's one of those things with stats like, oh, we don't know. So we're just, right. you know, we don't know what the rest of these outliers are. Yeah. So.
1: Because I just, I'm trying to imagine someone who does not have a mental illness wanting to end their life. Because, I mean, I can imagine tragedy, trauma, those kinds of things.
0: But that's, I would think, an offshoot of depression. But I I could be wrong. Yeah. Tragedy and trauma, I guess, could lead to a mental disorder. But maybe you just, that's all you've had happen is some sort of tragedy. And I'm not sure. I mean... There was another uh, um,
1: statistic that was... It was... uh, surprising but not surprising at all with the way that our country treats um, certain groups of people that uh, the transgender community that 40 percent of the transgender community attempts suicide every year that's according to UCLA Um, somebody had said a quote in where I was finding this that uh, (laughs) transgender can't be advocates for themselves if half of them are dead
0: and that is about the same number as bipolar. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Right. Uh, I found 25 to 50% of bipolar diagnoses will attempt suicide and 15% mm. will succeed. So it's 20 times higher than the regular population. Yeah. So 40% for transgender. That is unbelievable. Mm-hmm.
1: It's the, like you were saying, the exclusion and the bullying and all of those aspects can... Uh, loneliness is a horrible, horrible place to be. It is. And it, until you feel that pain and sting of long-term loneliness... Yeah. I think it's hard to imagine, but... Yeah. You know, I follow... um I follow somebody on Instagram and I will put his handle in the show notes cause I don't remember it off the top of my head, but he is a, um, an advocate, a mental health advocate. Um, but mainly and specifically for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and so he had posted a video of this young kid at school that it looks like they were probably in high school and another, he was wearing a pride flag kind of like around his shoulders and another kid came up and ripped it off and threw it in the garbage. And the the kid who was wearing it came up to try to grab it. And then there was like a scuffle and they started fighting. And there was the onlookers were laughing. And that's that's the problem. What would seriously think? What would you do if you were sitting there and saw this happen? Would you laugh? because everybody else was and you didn't want to be left out. And there's that exclusion factor. I think,
0: yeah. I mean, think about, yes, I don't want to like go gloss over what you're saying. I'm just thinking about society and how we treat people. Think about the homeless people that are talking to themselves and how people are laughing at them, making fun of them or these sorts of things. And I think what they have, what it, where is, where's the compassion? Mm. And That's a good question. And the empathy for people who are struggling and people who are different from you. Wow, big crack of a big crack nerve. Can you that was good timing? Intense. <laughs> intense. Normally those sorts of things don't get picked up by the mics. That's how big it was. That's how loud it was. <laughs> Holy cow. So Jumping back in, we wanted to talk a little bit about the phone numbers that are often on a documentary or a television show, or we've probably done it on this podcast. I think we have. I've, I have know that I've been put- And you feel like you're doing your duty, <laughs> like you're covering your ass if you put the phone number out. Yeah. So... I want to first by say by like, I believe these people are volunteers, first of all, and I don't blame anyone. All I'm saying is we need a system overhaul. Big time. Because unless you are in crisis, when would you call that number to know anything? You wouldn't. Absolutely not. So, in the same way that I'm going to talk about my experience calling 911. But Sarah did call the number and then immediately called me because was like, what the actual fuck was that phone call? It was a joke. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it was a joke. And I read some articles about people who did call and It was a joke. Like, they just tried to, like, talk to them about, like, well, what do you want to have for dinner Mm -hmm. and, like, take their mind off of it Yeah, and hopes that that's going to make it better.
1: Redirection is for children, (laughs) not for people in a suicidal crisis.
0: Do you know how much it takes to make that call if you're in a suicidal situation? It takes the last ounce of energy that you have to Mm -hmm. live Mm-hmm. So the perhaps we could throw some more government money at that and get some trained people who don't have to work like long shifts and who have more experience or education or something to know what to say. And also in that way, there should be more local places you can go, local people you can call, local places they could like um send you to rather than we'll just call the police what yeah
1: I think where our our government needs to start is by government funding therapy having more available therapy at an affordable cost for people and um, having a space where people can go in crisis yeah yeah And um, I think that's where we start. And then the next step is
0: the suicide prevention hotline. We've got to fix it. Like there has to be something done to revamp that. It's, I don't know. I'm hesitant to even give it to anyone. I would say last resort, make this call. Yep. First resort, like call somebody else, call a friend, call a family member. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes that's a little risky too. A lot risky.
1: Well, Uh, call us. My, I know, right? (laughs) I One member of my family is the queen of redirection. That's her solution for everything.
0: Right. Or you could, oh my God, or you could run into some family friend or something that's going to be like, don't you realize how much worse it could be? Mm. And that's enough to just seriously make you flip over the edge. Yep. So let me walk you through the call. Let's do it, Sarah. So i called
1: and i got this woman who to 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 give her some credit sounded terrified like completely not prepared to talk to me and so i'm guessing that they have to be volunteers
0: i am pretty sure i'm going to look it up while you do that yeah
1: um so I, i was speaking to this woman and explaining to her what was going on and um to be honest, like the space that I was in, I can't remember the exact interaction, but I remember it feeling very much like she was trying very hard to mother me and failing tremendously at it. And the words were more of like a positive affirmation, like just, no, you know, yeah. could feel better. And yeah. I, I, I honest to God can't remember the exact interaction. I just remember the way it made me feel and the way it made yeah. me feel was... Well, that was absolutely zero help and I have no idea what to do at this point. Right. So yeah, it's hard to say to people, if you're in crisis, call the national suicide prevention hotline because the interactions will vary so drastically that you just don't know what to, what to expect and what you're going to get. And I, I think maybe I should have called back a second time to see if.
0: I it's got somebody different. Because they're, they're saying on here that some are uh, professional counselors that undergo over 100 hours of training before ever answering a call. But most are staffed by trained suicide hotline volunteers who don't have much training at all. So think about it. Come on, guys. <laughs> but th- think about
1: this. So let's just say out of the blue, your friend calls you and says, I'm having suicidal thoughts. What is going to happen? Like, your heart's going to start racing and drop to your stomach. You're not going to know what to say. You'll start probably rambling and saying inappropriate, not inappropriate, but things that just aren't helpful. Or you won't say anything at all and just be like, uh, uh okay, you know, can I take you to the hospital? Should we call the police? Because... It's, we are not, it is so stigmatized that we don't talk about it at all. And now, now people have no idea what to do. Even people who are having those thoughts, they have no idea what to do. They have no idea where to go, who to talk
0: to, how to get out of that. And there's a stigma that when you do, you're just crying out for help and you're being like attention seeking behavior. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why people don't
1: reach out. A failed suicide attempt is not necessarily attention-seeking behavior. And you know what? If it is, then that's attention that needs to be put on that person for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? So what if it's attention-seeking behavior? They feel lonely enough to do something this drastic. So obviously it's not a minimalized
0: attention-seeking behavior. I got fired up. Sorry get fired up. I'm fired up too. I don't know if many people who end up following through with it, right? So we talk about all the attempts but Mm -hmm. the people who follow through and are successful often aren't going to say things like that. They're not going to say, you know, I want to end my life or they will have said it prior, but there's this weird, like euphoric time Mm -hmm. that they get into And there's lots of things they could, they could do that. It could be this like relief, like I've made this decision and it's over. Mm -hmm. They could take weeks, a few weeks away from everyone they know. So not to be pulled back into the world. Yeah. You know, so it's not like it never looks the same. And that's the problem is that sometimes someone who says, I really think I need to end my life tonight and they mean it. Mm -hmm. And it could be someone who is like, yeah, man, it was a great day. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. And that's the last time you talk to them and then they do it that night. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like everything we talk about on here. It is not like prescriptive.
1: No. And we also know from experience that the highs and lows of, or not the highs, the lows of having major depressive disorder um, can can come and go within minutes hours and so you could talk to somebody and they could genuinely be feeling like they are having a great day and then that wave of depression hits them and the 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 despair is there
0: and and then they attempt or complete it sure and I think when you say the highs I don't think you were wrong because you know when Scott would have that high and then crash yeah It would be the high that actually pushed him over the edge Mm. because it wasn't there anymore or because he made such bad decisions there. Yeah. And, you know, when you crash, then you have to realize and reconcile what you just did.
1: I don't experience highs. I experience a level of energy and happiness that a normal person experiences. Yeah. So I experience like normalcy not normal. Such. I hate that word. word. It's such a bad word. I experience the average human, like human happy level of happiness and energy. And then I try to cram everything in that I haven't been able to do like cleaning and cooking and shop grocery shopping. And like I do everything and I, I cram so much into a day that then the next day, I have depleted
0: myself so much that I can't get out of bed. Because you're just so excited that you have the energy to do it. Yep. So those are two very different disorders, very different illnesses, and they both can lead to the same end result Mm -hmm. and same outcome. You know, I think that I've seen a lot of posts recently that have said this, but I also had this quote written down from, um, Uh, it's called could you be better or could be better podcast his name was jerry reed and he said they don't want to die they just want to end their pain yeah and that's like i feel that so hard i feel that too and i'm not in any sort of suicidal situation currently so to me it sounds nuts Mm -hmm. but a week ago two months ago I don't know, guys. I don't know how to explain it to you. When it comes over you, it just comes over you. And it comes over you in a way that, like, is impossible to explain to someone who doesn't understand it or go through it.
1: So I think this is a good time to talk about whether there is a very large stigma and this misconception that suicide is a selfish act and that people complete suicide and don't think about the other people around them and the effect right. it's going to have and that they're only thinking about themselves. And I, we want to make sure that we talk about this because from our personal experiences and from experiences that we have witnessed and listened to and read about, this is so far from the truth. It, it could yeah. not be any farther from the truth because the only thing you're thinking about, and I'll just say in my experience from when I have been feeling this way. The only thing you're thinking about is the fact that everyone will be better off without you. So you're not thinking like, Oh, I'm going to cause this pain to my kids and to my husband. I'm not thinking that I'm thinking I'm fucking up my kids and they don't need me around to keep doing that. Or why am I with my husband when I am feeling this way and I don't want somebody to have to take care of me and he deserves to go find love that's happy and joyful and yeah that's what I'm thinking about is the weight I'm putting on other people yeah I'm thinking about the burden that I'm causing other people and it's a little easier for me to talk about right now because I'm not in a great place yeah so I may get (laughs) emotional but like just talking from from straight from my brain like these are things that I have thought And, um, I am in a more healed space than I was when I did go to the hospital and have a stay because of suicide thoughts, suicidal thoughts, um, because now I have gone through enough therapy and had enough tools and, and, um, that I can think, yeah, I might be fucking up my kids but leaving them is going to fuck them up even further. Um, and the same with my husband. So, but what I will say is I can't guarantee that that's always going to be what's in my head because healing is not linear and not
0: depression sure as fuck. Isn't it is not. I mean, right before Scott left for, uh, New Mexico, he had a conversation with my neighbor and her, um, friend, Mm -hmm. Her friend's husband had just died by suicide and left the girls and all of these stuff. And she was like talking to him about that. And he was like, I will never do that to my mm. kids ever. Like, you don't have to worry about that. I will never, ever, ever leave them like that. And so you see what I'm saying is that it it yeah. can change anywhere along that road. One little tiny thing can like shift it. It's like it's in its own vacuum. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because there's no, nothing from the outside is getting in. Yes, that's exactly what it
0: is. Because I would never, ever be okay with leaving my children. No, ever. Me but either. when I'm in that, mm-hmm. that, I love the way you said that because it's exactly what it is. It's this very like enclosed space, yeah. of which nobody can talk into. Mm-hmm. Nothing is getting through to you. And all you're doing is you have the same thoughts going over in your brain. This would just, Mm -hmm. I just need this to be done. I just, it'll be so much easier. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a really good way to put it because I remember in that spot thinking, I know what he did. I know why. Yeah. And I know that it wasn't selfish. Exactly. So because we're in that vacuum And you can't reach people. It's, I guess what I want to say to myself, along with many of you out there, is that survivor's guilt is real. And you really can't hold on to it. You cannot carry that for the rest of your life. Because people are going to do what they do and when they're in that zone when they're in that bubble you know when they're having a psychotic break or an episode and they're not in their right minds your your words your voice the things you're doing might not get through to them and I still struggle with that every day. So it's not like I've got this under wraps and I'm telling you how to live your life. What I'm saying to all of us out there is from someone who is a suicide survivor, as well as someone who has suicidal ideations, there are things you can do to help. And we're going to talk about that at the end, but you can't take full responsibility.
1: No. And I don't, I don't think that suicide survivors can take any responsibility because like you said, nothing is getting through. When I took that step and had a plan, it had nothing to do with the people around me. It had nothing to do with anything that, that they were saying or doing to, or, you know, with me or anything like that. I had, I had, a plan in my head and i had made up my mind and in that moment nothing would have right. helped me. Yeah. Thank God that that intense moment of making the choice was actually in my therapist's office. Thank God. But how many times does that happen? I just
0: like I feel like that's so rare. This is so this is such a weird um this is such a weird thing that I think about often. But um when I see the video and I watch, you know, Scott, all I wanna do is jump in the video and like land on him. <laughs> And just like plow him to the ground. Like tackle him, tackle him down. And just like lay there on him and like, you know, like uh you would restrain like a child who's like not, you know, and restrain him until like he like came to. Right. And sometimes I feel like that's all like can happen, like and that we're not always there to do that. No. We're not always there to physically, physically restrain someone. Physically restrain someone. (laughs) I wanted to call it a bear hug, but it would actually, you know, I'm not quite sure I could have taken them down, but I could have tried. And (laughs) so yeah, because sometimes words aren't going to break through, Mm -mm. break through what it is that you're thinking in that
1: space. What I do want to make sure that I say at least from from my I know I keep saying from my perspective I just want to because it's like everybody's experiences are so different so everyone's reasons are different and everyone's you know motivations and and so forth are different so that's why I keep saying that but just assume from going forward this is what I have experienced um is that it passes for me quickly Yep. The intensity. Yeah. That intense like I'm gonna do this feeling passes for me quickly. I'm talking minutes. Yep. So if I can be distracted and not like redirection, not like, oh look over there, there's a duck. Yeah. You know, like not kinda of that kind of shit, but like, um breathe, just breathe, just breathe. Yeah. It's gonna it's going to end. It's going to end. It will end. Even though my thoughts are telling me it's not. Yeah. It will. And um, the best thing I was ever told, and I know I've told you guys this on on here before, um, but the best thing I was ever told is that your thoughts are not facts. That's a shirt right there. Yeah. And so, I mean, your thoughts are your perceptions of things. And so you can't rely on something that's a per- perception or a perspective of a situation
0: they're not yeah. facts. So they're not facts. And sometimes I feel like our minds can like twist some shit around. Lie.
1: They can Straight lie to Straight
0: lie. Yeah. And you've got to wait it out until you can see the truth between the lies. If
1: you have ever thought, I'm not good enough, that's a lie. That's your thoughts lying to you. Yeah. I don't want you to think it's like some psychotic episode and no. that it's something so, you know, thoughts lying to you are, is some like, black for a better word, crazy no. thing that happens to people. It's not. This is a, and if it is, it's okay. <laughs> but it's so not because it's, it happens to literally every human being. We have these thoughts about ourselves lacking the perceived perception or perfection that we were thinking that we should have or be yeah body anything about your body i'm so fat i should i should look like so and so yeah i'm not smart enough i can't do this all of those are your thoughts lying to you so your thoughts can also tell you that it's okay just you are a burden to everyone let's relieve them of their burden because that's what mine would tell me. Oh uh, yeah. But like I just, can hold on.
0: Sometimes it just hurts so bad. Yeah. Like it hurts so bad and you just want the hurt to stop hurting. The hurt to stop hurting? Yeah. But no, I mean, you know, that's... you just you just want the pain to stop and you know, in your rational mind you've got everything going for you and you're just like, What is wrong with me that I yeah. can't be fucking grateful? Right. Right. And then you feel like a total piece of shit. Mm -hmm. I
1: also want to make sure because this is another um, stigma, I think. I I know that there are going to be people who believe that no one should ever end their own life no matter what. Um, I know that that's going to be like a prevalent idea out there. But I want to just talk about there are instances of suicide where it's a terminal illness and it's physical pain that someone is in and they just want it to be over do you call that suicide um it's uh, i think it's called mercy suicide or uh, something to that effect i'll i'll see if i can find it but um that's a little different well
0: i i also like Dr. Kavorkian like way back in yep. the... Dang. Sure
1: is. Yeah. So the reason I say that though is that some people are like, Oh, well, I get that. I get it. Because they're in physical pain. Yes.
0: But, but there's mental pain too. Yeah. And the physical pain that we're talking about with that doesn't go away. <laughs> you're just, right. you're feeling that constantly. No matter which medicine mm-hmm. you're in, no matter what you're mm-hmm. doing, the mental does sometimes for people. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're saying is like, and that's why we always say, hold on. Yep. Like if you can just hold on into the next moment, Mm -hmm. the next moment could be different. The next moment, moment you could feel free from that. You know, if you can just hold on from one moment to the next. Yeah. I saw something
1: today when I was looking at ways to to try to get yourself out of these spots and one of the suggestions was to set a timer for one minute and tell yourself you're going to hold on to that one minute and then when you get to the end of that minute, start it over again and get to the end of that minute
0: oh, and keep going
1: until you are out of that space in your head because there's no way to snap you out of it per se. like. There's no snapping out of it. I hate that one. Snap out of it. Get yourself together. Pull yourself Pull up yourself by your together. bootstraps. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Like, just just hold on. And that's why I think Amy and I, you know, we say, like, hold on. We're
0: going to make it. A lot. Yeah. I'm and, not telling you, like, hold on forever. I'm saying, let's just hold on into the next moment. Mm-hmm. You know, just hold on to the next moment. I mean, think about it. Like, let's think about my own life. I... And this is not out of illness, because we were talking about how there's that 10% now who apparently, according to this statistic, Mm -hmm. who die by suicide, who have nothing, apparently no um, diagnosis. diagnosis. Okay. So when Scott died, like, that's all I wanted to do was die. Yeah. That wasn't my depression and that wasn't my anxiety. Right. That was grief, Anguish. anguish, trauma. I felt like I had just been like ripped in half Mm -hmm. and I truly wanted to just die. I stayed out of responsibility for my kids and, but think about, you know, when you're in that situation, if you don't hang on, let's look now years down at my life now and it's beautiful And it's new and there's just all these amazing things in it and I'm helping people and I've got a new love and I mean there's just a lot. It doesn't mean that any of that pain has really gone away. It's lessened, it's eased up, but from trauma, whether that be abuse or death, can come that Hang of like I just I just need to be like I can't even mm-hmm. it hurts so much so much that I can't deal with it yeah. so that's different that's different from what I feel sometimes in my depression my depression is like like Sarah said it's moments that I feel that way yeah. and then I can come out of it that was like a little bit longer but luckily I had a lot of people around me and luckily we do have a lot of people around us when uh big huge things happen yeah I,
1: I always, you know, like to recognize too that pain never goes away. That pain, that anguish, it just changes. Yeah. So it's always present, but it just evolves. Sure. Um, and what we want to try to do is have it not devolve <laughs> yeah. into something worse. Um, so that's, you know, kind of where we are. I wanted to share some stories. I watched the documentary "The S Word." Um, you can find it on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Dollar ninety nine, nine. Yeah, you do have to pay to rent it, but yeah, I think it was like a dollar ninety nine to rent for forty eight hours. Um, I recommend it highly. Uh, it follows a photographer. Her name is Desiree Stage, and she has been spending the last um, I don't know seven or so years talking to people and interviewing people who have attempted suicide, getting their full story. And then afterwards she takes their picture right after their discussion. And the only thing she asks from them is that they look directly into her lens so that you can, when you're looking at the picture, you can see the the words that they just said in their interview. You can see that coming through their eyes, the pain or the healing or the shame sometimes not sometimes I would say Mm -hmm. almost all the time and um, so a couple of the people that she talked to this guy I was so I related to him so hard Um, he did have some trauma that I did not experience um, so I couldn't relate in that way but his experiences within suicidal ideation and suicide attempts were very relatable for me he first attempted uh, suicide at 8 years old Um, he did go through Um, molestation so at that point with him being so young he he just didn't want to live anymore because he hurt so badly and because of the place where it took place which was in a crawl space under his house he um his parents didn't know his family didn't know but all of his friends in the neighborhood knew and so he was bullied really bad too because they were children. He had been, it had been since he was about five years old. Other children were doing this, were bullying him because of that, because of him having this molestation experience by an by, adult
0: or by other. I don't oh, know. Okay, okay, yeah, I don't know the details. That this is that was just, just what he terrible. shared.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I also experienced trauma that young, but. Uh, It wasn't the same kind of trauma, but I did, you know, say to him, he had an attempt. Um, I did not, I did express that I wanted to die, uh, but I never made any attempt that young. So what I related to even more with him was on one of his attempts when he was a teenager and he was in the hospital, his brother came in to see him and he said to him, When his brother came in to see him, he said to him, what's going to make you want to stay? And he said that hit him really hard because he truly couldn't think of a reason. And that kind of made it worse, you know, and and that's where I say, like, people will say the wrong things, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong thing all the way around the spectrum with everyone. It was the wrong thing for him. And. But still, you can't blame his brother. No. His brother's trying to get him to live and yeah. to stay here. There's no blame or anything like that. Um, it just resonated with me, um, because in those moments, I don't know that I could think of a reason either because I was thinking that my reasons, my family, um, that I was putting them just out and not just putting them out in, inc- in like an inconveniencing way, but in a like life altering sure I'm fucking up their lives way he also shared that because of all of the trauma that he had experienced he only knew darkness Hmm. and he didn't know what it was to feel confident and happy and fuck if that didn't like punch me right in the gut yeah so that was just really relatable for me um and then the last thing um he said no one asked me if I wanted to live. They only asked me if I wanted to die. And those are two very separate
0: things in in my experience. I feel like his brother tried to. He just used a couple wrong words. Yeah. Yeah. Or misplaced words.
1: Yeah, cuz I mean, do do I want to die? No. Do I want like maybe, you know, do I want to live? Yeah. I want to live a happy and pain-free life that's joyful and and grow like help grow my children yeah into beautiful human beings instead of scarring them from them experiencing my sadness um you know you can only shelter so much and I try to let them know when I'm sad and it helps me too because I'm being honest with my children and then it helps me to share to them like I'm feeling sad and it has nothing to do with you. I love you very, very much. It's mommy's mind that's yeah. making me sad. Uh, he, he said his, his experience as a father is the hardest thing he's ever done because he's worried he's going to neg- negatively impact his kids in a horrible way. And, again like I was like yeah e- yeah mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and his wife says that he'll push through the week and get everything done and be this great dad and that sometimes on the weekends then he just will not leave the bedroom yeah and yeah, I, I get that I feel it but his biggest piece of uh, of takeaway from all of his experiences is the reason that it it is where it is is because we don't talk about it so and, and I, I have to agree with him because if we're making it this hush-hush thing that's so shameful and the resources we have are so shitty and no one wants to do anything about it, then it can't be that big of a deal for, you know,
0: what's happening with it in this country. Well, and here's the thing. Okay, so it's it's quick passing for someone like me maybe – um, but I'll tell you what, it's the follow-up that's shitty. So when you, my experience was I called 911 and uh, honest to God, like all I can say is I hope I never have like an intruder in my house because right It was like, first it was like busy. Then I couldn't get a hold of anyone. Then it sounded like a 14-year-old boy answered. And he's like, 911, what do you need? And I'm like, um, (laughs) I I need help for my husband. He's, you know, like been missing and he's like suicidal and bipolar and blah, blah. Well, are you in danger? No. Well, is he? I was like, yeah. He's like, well. Yeah, they're not going to go looking for him across the city. So, I don't know. Maybe try Crisis Hotline. And I was just like, is this f- for real right now? Mm. So then you go that route, and that's a whole nother story. And, yeah. you know, they are not... They did only have one car. And so I had to wait for the next group of people who could be available to come out and talk to me. And when they did... I mean... It, they did an intake and everything. But the thing is, there is no follow through. Once they get the person to the hospital and 302 them. Yeah. And they get on their watch. Mm-hmm. A three day hold. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've done their job. Yeah. That's and it. That the end. is it. I know I've said this before, but I think mm-hmm. it is so important to say again. That's bullshit i remember just being so i was so ashamed of my life at that time because so i didn't tell anyone what was happening and i didn't know where to turn i didn't know what to do and i just remember the social worker like giving me the paper of like from a typewriter of like things to call and people to do and all the numbers were like not existing anymore dear lord And when I asked her to do it for me, to help me out, she said that's above her pay grade. And I just thought, you know, I see that you're overworked. So I'm not blaming any of the people. I'm just saying that we could do better. Like, there has to be something past the three days. And they and she said, well, he can just come back again. And I was like, what do you mean? Like another three-day stint where you're going to drug him up and so he'll be okay and then send him back out? Yep. And when they send you back out, They don't care if anyone's picking you up or not. Like, I said, so you're just going to let him sit on the curb? Because I'm not coming to get him. He's not stable enough to come home yet. Yeah, I guess so. But are you sure you can't just come get him? I'm sure it'll be fine. Oh. Oh. But sure. Okay, lady. I'm sure it'll be fine. I never (laughs) met him. I don't know what's going on, but... I mean, you know, like... Sure, it'll be fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. I I, The follow-through. So, okay. So, we have a crisis answer. In crisis, Mm -hmm. we can stop you from killing yourself by giving you a ton of drugs. Yep. And sedating you and making you sleep. Yep. When you wake up, you're not magically cured. No. (laughs) Like... I don't have any degree in anything. Like, I know that. Uh, yeah. You don't wake up like, I am so excited to live. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I really wish we had something else in place for a follow through for the non-crisis times, for the times where you need a little bit more than once a week therapy and a little bit less than a 302. Dude. Like mind blown, yeah. That's exactly it. that's exactly it. Uh Yeah, and so you know, Sarah's going to talk about this a little that's bit later. About where I am right but now, but like, there are outpatient programs, but the problems with those are wait lists are for a really long time, and they're during the day. What happens about your damn job? Oh no, you have to take time off, and your job won't
1: give it to you. No. So then, what are you supposed to do? Because these out these intensive outpatient
0: programs are like one to three during the day, or something, or ten to three. I or, did it,
1: and it was from nine to three because I did like the. I was they I could have been that. I don't know. They basically call it uh, partial hospitalization. I think for insurance purposes, for sure. the, the I almost said customers
0: for, for the cus for, for the suicidal customer. <laughs> for the
1: patients and then I think also um for work purposes too so that you can say like I can't I can't come to work. Yeah.
0: But at the, by that point if you are someone who is unstable, your work is tired of your bullshit. So they're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, go ahead and take another <laughs> 6 weeks, weeks off, 4 to four, 6, four weeks. To six yep. weeks off <laughs> to do a partial partial hospitalization.
1: I mean, when you take off work, the reality is, is that I would say most of the time you're probably going to lose your job. But what I like what I think about is that is that job more important than my life? No, nothing is. So like here's what happened with me. I was self-employed. And I still lost my job. Right. Because I was in a business partnership with someone, um, Jill and, you know, gaslighter episode. We refer to it a lot because gaslighting is so prevalent in almost everything yes. now. And it's such a, it's such a, it was, um, not rec- under recognized, I think is what the word is for it because it's been going on forever and ever in a day. Right. But I don't think anybody knew what to call it. Right. It was like, "What you are making me feel crazy. Yeah. I actually used to say that to my college boyfriend all the time. I was like, you are making me feel like I'm crazy. Yeah. Um, cause he was like the champion gaslighter, but I lost my own business because she didn't, she, she thought I was like lazy and thought I was, you know, unstable and okay. Mentally for myself, Yes, but was I unstable in a way that I was going to harm anyone else? Absolutely not. And in fact, that was like my biggest fear was harming other, like, you yeah. know,
0: my, my depression, harming other people. Um, taking care of ourselves is not something, something that society really truly agrees with. You can put out an Instagram post or some bullshit on Pinterest, mm-hmm. but until the money of our country backs it. Yep then I don't believe you because Scott couldn't take the time or he was going to lose his job to do the four to six weeks program outpatient. And at the time we really needed the money. And so he tried for disability and that would have, I don't know, I think it took like four years. He didn't get it. No, it took way longer because if he started it, it was like an eight year process he got he got it he got it a month before he died. Finally. I we got rejected four times. I don't understand that. Because um I don't know why. I I guess because he said he could do other things like take tickets at a movie theater. But
1: what they're not putting into consideration <laughs> is getting out of bed to go to the movie theater to take tickets.
0: Right. Is impossible sometimes. Or what about the six weeks that you're having a manic episode? Correct. Or what about the time you need to be in the hospital or the partial hospital or you need to be in counseling three times a week? There's just so many factors to it that people want to... We want to participate in society. We really, really do. It's not laziness. Mm -mm. Like, I just want to scream it from the rooftops. It is not laziness. You know, until... The society backs it where, it put their money where their mouth is, I guess. Mm-hmm. It really isn't going to change because you can't get help while working a 40 hour plus week. No. Now I just happen to have, after fighting so hard, been able to take this medical sabbatical to get right. And that was a shit show. And that was a shit show and I was shamed Mm -hmm. And I still feel shame for it. Mm -hmm. And I know that everyone knows now. And I feel... Which was not your intention. I didn't want anyone to know. Because there's this shame specifically in the workplace. But I knew, had I not taken this year, I would not have made it much longer. And I needed to get right. And my therapy is and my writing my book and this podcast is working through it and it hurts and it's horrible and it's hard and to be brave enough to say you need the time has a lot of uh, repercussions mm. you know it has a lot and Scott never wanted to tell his bosses that he was diagnosed bipolar for that very reason and that's why I kept my diagnosis quiet for what 20 years Yeah, something like that Because guess what? They reacted this exactly the way I thought they would. I think I knew you for two years before I knew
1: anything that was going on. Yeah. In your life and in your marriage. Yeah. I I was
0: shocked. I play real good. Yeah, I've learned that too. I got nails. I got lips. (laughs) And I'm really good at my job, my day job. So I can do it even when I... Honestly, I will cry all the way to not anymore, but I would cry all the way to work and then like wipe myself and, and like go in and just do it. Yeah. You can't do that forever. Like at some point no. you have to get healthy and you are, you also can't discriminate because somebody has a mental health, um, illness. Right. Sorry. Like, just I, like you can't fire someone for having
1: cancer and being out for treatment. Exactly. You can't fire someone for having a mental illness and being out for treatment
0: exactly and you can't shame them and you can't make it a big huge like thing but you know what you can do go on a witch hunt and find every
1: single little teeny thing that's against any kind of policy yep and
0: exploit the and shit exploit out of the it. shit out of it, and that happened to me, mm-hmm. and that happened to Scott, and it happened to Randy. It happened to Randy. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. What about where Rand- exactly? He took time to take care of himself, mm-hmm. and then he came back to this trial which was bullshit. Total bullshit. He wasn't even in
1: the room when they were, anyways, but it doesn't matter. Here's the thing,
0: guys, as I'm saying this stuff, guys, I do not want to tell you to, I feel like what I'm going to do is make you guys want to not tell your stories and stay quiet. And it makes me want to cry just thinking about what I just said to you all. But something has to change. Something has to change. So if you're out there and you're one of the healthy people who doesn't have to deal with this mental illness, help us yeah stand up like do something in your job some of you are bosses be the person who makes the change like those of us who have the disability can't always bring the change us doing we're this podcast so tired already. It's so fucking risky, but mm-hmm. we're still doing it because someone has to do it. So if you are out there and that's not you like and you are in a place of power, like use your power for good. Check on your people.
1: Mm-hmm. I just saw and I cannot remember what company it was, but there there is a company who just gave their employees a whole week off for a mental
0: health break. And it's like a huge company. I can't remember it was what it Nike. is. Nike. Nike. But then somebody said, but did they give the employees in the warehouse? Mm. I mean, we can, it goes all different ways. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I realize. I mean, and here's the thing, Sarah and I are some of the hardest workers you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. Like we do a job and we do it well Mm -hmm. and we do it to perfection Mm -hmm. and we will not let you down and we do not slack, Mm -hmm. but we're considered lazy or trying to take the easy way out or get something for free. No, we're just trying to fucking live. Yeah. We just don't want to die before we're supposed to die. Yeah, exactly. To put it very, like, black and white. (laughs) Right, right. So I'm taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. and it's making people uncomfortable, and I just really, really wish for change. I hope for change. I hope that speaking out, telling my story, saying my truth, as much as it gets me in trouble... I hope it helps you and I hope it it, it helps people out there who aren't ready to speak it. And I just, it's like, I
1: was so hush hush about everything because I was embarrassed because of the shame that's attached to it. Mm -hmm. But what I have to say is that I felt all that shame and I felt all that embarrassment while I was holding on to it, but as soon as I started telling yeah. people h- what happened yeah. and and telling people like here's some things to look for in yeah. me specifically yep. to know that I'm spiraling down, I felt this weight lift and I felt less shame and felt I'm not embarrassed anymore. I still have thoughts of, okay, I know people are talking about me or I yeah. know people will say things. And I know there's going to be completely insensitive people who don't understand that use words like crazy and psychotic and whatever. Yeah.
0: Unstable. Unstable.
1: All of that stuff. Um, But that's okay. I don't care. I because don't. Yeah. It, it, me. it helped
0: me to do it. It helped me to get that weight off. Of my shoulders and off my chest. I guess that's another... That's a really good point. I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. And the real healing is occurring because I spoke out. Because we're talking about it. I could have covered it up with my lipstick and my nails yeah. and my hair. Yeah. Forever. But what's what's the point of living in that way? I did know? the same
1: thing. And... I still do. I still will put on lipstick. I still will put on my nails and I will smile and I will laugh and I will quote, have a great time. Sometimes I truly am having a great time, but sometimes I am faking the fuck out of the interaction. Yes, I am. Um, and this like, and it has nothing to do with the people I'm with. It doesn't mean that those people that I'm with aren't, don't give me joy in my life. It just means that at that moment, I can't experience those feelings. Yeah. And so, example, yesterday my father-in-law came over to bring my daughter her soccer cleats, and um, I didn't know it was him. Randy just said, hey, we have a visitor. Come downstairs and see them, which, by the way, he already knows now I told him, I was like, don't ever do that to me. <laughs> I was like, I hate that. That was awful. Don't do that yeah. to me. Cause I'm like, who is here? Who the fuck is here? Yeah. Like, what, what's Anxiety. going on? Anxiety out the wazoo. I come down and I, and then he came up to tell me, uh, it's my dad. And that's when I was like, don't do that to me ever Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm so sorry. Um, so I came downstairs and it, I felt it and I took note of it and I was like, dude, that was, Sad. Because I had just a... I don't even know what look on my face, but the second my feet hit the hardwood floor of my first floor, I smiled and I came around the corner and I said, Sal, I'm so glad to see you. And I gave him a big hug and I talked and laughed with him while he was there. And he brought over photos of Randy when he was a baby. He made this really sweet photo album for him of like all of the pictures of him growing up. And, you know, we looked at them and we fawned over them. And then he left and I gave him a hug and I turned around and the smile dropped immediately from my face. And I walked right back up the steps, took my pants back off. <laughs> yep. Didn't have them on before and got right back into the recliner and just
0: quit chair. Yeah, and I was like I need a minute. By that she means hours. Yep. Uh I agree. It has just I have just gotten to the point now where I am myself no matter what with you and Randy and Mike. Yeah. Uh, it took, it took a while, but like I definitely, I mean, even for Mike, I would still like put it on. Yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's going to tire of this yeah. depressed yes. grumpy yes. ass bitch. Yep. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and so I, I learned how to say this does not have anything to do with you. I love you very much. Yeah. I'm just having a rough moment. Right. And you have to just learn those words. I want to finish this conversation. I can't tell you, and Sarah has some things to tell you, but I can't tell you things to tell people. But I can tell you this. Um, When someone isn't doing well, or when you think that maybe they're considering ending their lives, things not to say would be, um, stop being so dramatic you have it better than most. It's not that bad. Just get up and get it. Get Just get up. Let's just get up. Um, you can do it. Push through. I mean, those are the things that push someone the other direction. To be empathetic and to have compassion and to say, uh, you know, tell me a little bit more about what mm-hmm. that feeling, what does that feel like? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So tell me, what does it feel like in your body? You know, what does it feel like in your head? Asking some specific questions like that non-judgmentally can help. Checking on them authentically every day, even if you don't, you know, like get the response you want. Those things do help. Um again I'm not in the camp of all suicide can be prevented because that just puts too much on suicide survivors to be responsible but I do think that if we lived a little bit more compassionately a little bit more empathetically and a little less judgmental uh there would be less and you know I am and systematically if we could if we could fix the workplace fix the hospitals, fix, you know, those sorts of things. I think that we would be in a better place as well. That's my, that's my goal. One day Sarah and I are going to do that. Yeah, We're
1: going to have that safe space.
0: We're going to have those resources. We are going to have those resources for you that are not, typed on a typewriter from 1982 like that's it on a ditto sheet oh my my gosh I even (laughs) forgot those words ditto sheet holy shit I'm not kidding it had the purple yes the purple oh my gosh I used to love the
1: smell of those is that weird (laughs) yeah so you know I've
0: got lofty goals for myself but someday if we ever make it big that's what I want to do do. that's what I want to do I want to I want to find those resources for people and and help the, 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 care, the caregivers just as much as those that are struggling. Yeah, so just so you know,
1: and I'm not trying to like plug anything or whatever, but when you support us financially, those are the types of dreams and things that you're supporting. Yeah. So um, I just wanted you to know that. I I just want to say the way that you described that, it was so perfect. Oh. And, and I like felt it so much. And because people... People who say stop being dramatic and, you know, think of all the great, like, or not that, but say stop being dramatic. You just want attention. Those kinds of people are just nasty people, but people who say things like, think of all the things you have to be grateful for and, and that it's not a malicious thing. And so they're just trying to help, but it's so unhelpful. It's so unhelpful. Because what words like that do is, is minimize the feeling not minimize the feeling. Um, minimizes the, the impact pain. of the feeling. Mm-hmm. Because their feelings are still going to be there. Um, but what they're going to think is, oh, there's something wrong with me. Yes. Not, I just need the help that I need. Yes. Because 1.3 million people in America attempt suicide every year. Yes. So you're not alone. No. There are so many, so many Americans. I don't have any worldwide you know, stats or anything like that, but just in our country alone, there's 800,000
0: people a year that die by suicide in, in the U S no in the world, oh, in the world. Wow. Yeah. 800,000 a year. It's 48,500 oh, in, in the U S don't,
1: don't invalidate someone. That's what it is, your is you're, you're, and not that you're saying I want to validate these feelings that they're true, but I, I want to validate your experience and that yeah. what you're feeling to you is devastating. So like you said, I just like when you said like ask questions that are, are empathetic and compassionate. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I could use that sometimes. Yeah. And I promise to do that more for you, because yeah. I think that having those thoughts myself sometimes I just assume that I know how you're feeling,
0: right. And I think it's easy to do that too. Yeah. yeah.
1: like you know, when I say like I'm just having a day, I know that you know what I mean. yeah. And I don't expect any like follow up even because like I know that between even. us, yeah you got me like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think that maybe helping us get through that moment more with questions. Yeah. And it'll help us understand things better. Yeah. That's a really good point. Well, while I was in the hospital Uh and doing the intensive program, they did tell us some things that um, we can do when we're feeling that way. And Or just feeling in a deep depressed depressive state okay and they wanted us to come up with uh, self-soothing techniques distractions turning into your emotions and mindfulness but they wanted us to come up with the things and those that would help us specifically so if you can come up with some ways of self-soothing that are good for you so Mike, my my self-soothing was Coffee or tea,
0: mm-hmm.
1: earthy smells, coloring and painting, mm-hmm. um, and and just like art using my hands. And it's funny; I am just thinking, look, like reading this, and I am that was in twenty nineteen. It's twenty twenty one, and yeah. I have been coloring and drawing, doing like a those freaking mad yes, woman. Yes, you've leaned into it because I. It's like that's my that is it. Yeah. I found like the thing, yeah, that takes my mind to a different place um distractions and you know I, we don't want to redirect like children but like if you can find your distractions that'll help you so like mine were
0: reading, crafting, learning and creating. They're... Sarah doesn't really agree with my distractions, but they are uh shit's <laughs> creek in the office. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to re I'm going to what is that backpedal? Yeah. I'm going to backpedal that. And the reason for it is I know it's coming. I know it's a clear, clearly going to just be funny and heartwarming. And I, I, I I needed to live in that space, Mm -hmm. even if it's for like 12 minutes. Like if I don't watch a whole thing, I just need for a second to just like get somewhere else. And and I apologize for saying. No, don't apologize. no, I do
1: because what I think about, like uh, that, was really like my thought process is what was with that. Like we sh- we should be attempting to heal. Well, you don't always have to be attempting to heal yeah. yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you have to fucking step outside yeah. of whatever you're feeling yeah. and get the hell away from it as far yeah. as you can. Yeah, and if that means like. I don't know what the difference is between me reading a book and you watching a TV show. (laughs) It's the same fucking thing. Like I'm, I'm putting myself in a different universe in a different world, a different situation. And so are you. So yeah, I backpedal that turning into your emotions was a really scary one for me. Um, but the ways that I found to do that are writing and yoga. Yeah. Um, and it does, it's, uh, I think writing is almost like, um, as impactful as movement. Because it's, um, it's moving those words from your brain onto paper and um, – or a computer screen <laughs> – and getting those thoughts out on, on paper and, and releasing them from you. And it's moving that energy yeah. through your body. But then I think you need movement after that to get it out yep. and unstuck. And that's where yoga for me, that's my thing. And, and you know, it could be for you running. It could be um, – you know a a, like dance class it could be i don't know beating the shit out of a pillow (laughs) (laughs) that's my son's yeah he takes his pillow and he just he punches it and then he screams into it yeah it's weird because, you know, we talk a lot about depression and how we have no energy to do anything when we have depression. Yeah. But it's like when you're in that kind of state, you have an energy that's unexplainable. It's and animalistic. It's
0: animal. Yes. That is a really good way uh-huh. to say it. Which is why sometimes in yoga, when I like make these guttural noises, I think yeah. the people taking my classes are like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but it's like, I, it's almost as much as shaking it out. Like yep. I can't help it. Like it's just yeah. coming out. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's scientifically
1: proven that shaking, yes. physically shaking yes. your body, yes. is um, huge in releasing stress and anger. Yes, and so and yeah. trauma, trauma. Oh, woof. So um, those were just those are just some of those. And then if you follow the Real Depression Project, we've talked about them yes. as well on here. They are ones that we look at their posts every day and they have some really great information out there especially for suicide prevention month um but we're gonna call it suicide awareness month and they have a post (laughs) up that came because amy said (laughs) yes because she said Uh, they have a post that they put up yesterday oh sorry when you're listening to this it'll be two days ago so it would be tuesday They put it up on Tuesday. It says 40 alternatives to self-harm. Some of these I look at and I'm like, (laughs) some resonate with me. So that's why there's 40 of them, because
0: some are going to resonate with some people and some are not. These Um, are good. I highly suggest following them. I can't stand cheesy advice. I can't mm. stand bullshit. And they don't really they don't put that kind of information out. Mm -mm. I honestly Follow some of the things that they say. I'm like, I'm I like, okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah. So we're going to definitely link them up because I think that this can help, especially if you need something quick, five types, you know, or mm-hmm. five ways to do this or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, these are good. Yeah.
1: I, I, this one, dance around your room to let out any excess energy. Like that's like what we were just talking about. I think that's cool. Um, plan your dream holiday. That's like kind of fun. Like it, <laughs> well, so I, th- I, I think that they are abroad somewhere. I don't think they're in the U.S. Um, that's probably why they're awesome. Yes, exactly. Just kidding. We love American country. yes. They use words like holiday, like that vacation, you know, and, and there's
0: things spelled with S's that we use these for. So I'm just guessing that they're either. And mm. there is, um, a lot of their posts for suicide. Uh, Awareness Month on here that I think are just fabulous. One, what it's like being suicidal and how to help. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the best one that I read.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It it explains very well. Yeah, some of the things we talked about in a more concise way. Yeah, because Sarah and I are not concise. <laughs> <laughs> we lack that. We lack that. But we are going to wrap
1: it up. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a first part of a series that we will be doing throughout the rest of September. Um, so we will be coming back with personal, our personal stories for the next two weeks to wrap up the month. Um, and we would love to hear from you. If you want to share your story as well, um, let us know. And we can uh, take those stories written or by voice recording.
0: Yes, we would really like to hear uh, some of your input. And your stories so that we can share it with others. Yeah. And you can do that in many ways. The easiest way, it seems, that people DM us on um, Instagram. You can email us. No one uses email anymore. (laughs) Unqualified therapists with an S to the end at gmail.com. And uh, how else? uh you that's those are the best ways yeah those are the best ways. dm us on on instagram
1: or um send us an email or you know like tag us on facebook or something but what i want to to ask of you is that we're going to put up some stories with some questions we're going to put out a little survey if you could answer those and would be great we will not reveal no we'll keep everything anonymous yes and um, unless you want us to, and then you'll have to let us know if you want us to uh, use your name. But yeah, we just want to get feelings from others out there, not just our perspectives, but from all over the world.
0: So take care of yourself and take care of each other and have grace for people. In all situations, even the ones who are saying silly things because mm-hmm. they don't know how to say the right thing. I didn't either. I no. mean, I used to I say. I don't sometimes. I used to say committed suicide. He committed suicide. Mm. And uh, it was only after Scott died that I learned that is extremely offensive. Mm-hmm. And so, you you know. Died. It's like committing a crime. Yeah. So he died by suicide just like he would die by cancer. Mm-hmm. His body broke. So, you know, you live and learn. Don't, there's, don't be ashamed of it. Just, just do better the next time. Read up on it. Try to, you know, all of those things and just have grace for each other and love each other and know that even if they've got their lipstick on and their nails, (laughs) they could be having a super shit day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we love you. Yeah.
1: And we just want you to remember to hold on because we're going to make it. We are. See you next week. Stay wild and weird, warriors. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Theme song and other music provided by Epidemic Sound. Editing and production by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, join our fan club at patreon.com slash unqualified therapists, Inc. Follow us on Instagram where you'll find our link tree to all things here at the UT. If you have a story to tell or a topic you'd like us to discuss, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Until next week, Warriors, hold on. We're going to make it.